uncensored views. This is the Michael Medved Show. And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth. It is a great day with the uh, Proud Boys uh, in a little bit less prominent, a little bit less uh, persuasive position. Uh, the sentencing for Enrique Torrio, yesterday we were waiting on his sentencing. He's already been found guilty, of course, of seditious conspiracy. He's sentenced for 22 years. Uh, how does he feel about it? He can't believe it. Uh, his basic problem, he says, was he never believed that Trump would actually, could actually lose the election. Uh, that's um, uh, his problem. We will get to that uh, coming up. There's also all kinds of polling that shows that Trump is doing better in the election of 2024 than he did in the election of 2020. And uh, all kinds of good news for Trump on uh, the polling front. There's also a, a, a piece by Paul Blumenthal in Huffington Post which says that, hey, uh, all that concern that a Trump-Biden uh, rematch would be boring, he said, no, it's not boring, it's something entirely new. And he actually concludes that this would be one of the most significant elections of all time. When you look at the rematch this way, instead of through the personalities of two gerontocrats, the race seems far less like a rerun and more like one of the most important inflection points in U.S. history. What is that inflection point about? Uh, we will get to that on the Michael Medved Show. There's also this story, uh, which has just flashed across the universe in National Review, their National Review Daily. Uh, former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley has caught up to Florida Governor Ron DeSantis in the 2024 Republican race among potential New Hampshire primary voters, according to a brand new poll. Both Haley and DeSantis sit at 10%, while former President uh, Donald Trump holds a 37-point lead over his closest challengers, according to an NMB research survey obtained by Politico. The poll, the first to show Haley tied with DeSantis in New Hampshire, since the first uh, presidential debate in late August is a relatively outlier as DeSantis sits at 13% to Haley's 3.8% in a real clear politics average. Uh, still, the latest numbers represent a significant development given that the Florida governor was the clear second choice in the GOP primary contest before he started losing traction over the summer. Uh, what this also indicates, which is what I think most people believed and expressed their belief, is when they watched that debate, it was uh, pretty clear that Nikki Haley did well. And many people who were looking for a winner in that debate pointed to Nikki Haley. Uh, there's also a piece today in the New York Times about her history of winning impossible races. This goes back to when she ran for the state legislature. She ran against a very popular, very entrenched Republican conservative who she challenged uh, when she was a nobody. She was working as an accountant in her mother's business. And, uh, and she won. And uh, this is a figure 
whether she is a candidate for president who could conceivably win a nomination, or, as she says she's not interested in, a candidate for vice president uh, with uh, Donald Trump or someone else. She is a figure who should not be underestimated. One of the figures who could be underestimated, the Proud Boys ex-chief uh, Enrique Tarrio, uh, who um, uh, was just sentenced to 22 years. The uh, coverage in the Wall Street Journal, it says uh, Enrique Tarrio, the former chairman of the far-right Proud Boys group, was sentenced yesterday to 22 years in prison. This was at the end of the day after our show got off the air. It was the longest sentence so far handed down in more than a thousand criminal cases. You know that there's now a thousand and one hundred. They have a thousand one hundred criminal cases, which is one of the things that ultimately is going to, to have to be taken into account in this presidential race. Given the fact that uh, a lot of these people said that they did what they did because they were trying to follow the wishes and the orders of President Trump. There are a number of people who were convicted who said, I was just following orders from my president. So the idea that uh, Trump is, is going to have no responsibility or accountability himself with what happened on January 6th, the, the more and more people get these long sentences, uh, the, the worse it is for President Trump and the less chance that he will be able to just treat these trials, the various trials, as a, uh, a, an irrelevant distraction. Enrique Tarrio, who's 39, was one of four Proud Boys convicted earlier this year of seditious conspiracy, the most serious charge brought in connection with the attack by a mob of then-President Donald Trump supporters who aimed to keep him in power despite his loss in the November 2020 election. Seditious uh, conspiracy carries stiffer penalties than ordinary conspiracy and makes it illegal to conspire to use force to overthrow the government, to impede its laws or seize its property. The trial of Tario and the four other Proud Boy leaders was one of the most high-profile cases brought by the Justice Department, which laid out the leading role the Proud Boys played in the events uh, culminating in the storming of the Capitol. They were as the judge, and the judge, by the way, and it's fascinating, his name, Timothy Kelly, who's a terrific guy, very conservative, appointed by Donald Trump. Hey, yes, that's right. He was appointed by President Trump. And uh, the four other Proud Boys leaders received substantial prison terms and sentencing last week. But those sentences were far below what prosecutors had sought. Uh, Ethan Nordine is, was sentenced to 18 years in prison, while Dominic Petzola, the one who's known as Spazola, uh, who's 45, he received 10 years. Joseph Biggs received 17 years in prison, and Zachary Rail got 15 years in prison. Th these are all substantial sentences, not as much as prosecutors asked for. But as he did in other Proud Boys cases, U.S. District Judge Timothy Kelly expressed his comfort with treating the Capitol breach on January 6th as something akin to lethal terrorism that involves loss of life. As a result, 
he handed down a sentence significantly below the guidelines range. Whatever one thinks of whatever the jury concluded, it is undoubtedly not the same as things we might all colloquially think of as a terrorist blowing up a building or receiving training to go confront the United States military on the battlefield, Judge Kelly said. Mr. Tario was the ultimate leader, the ultimate person who organized and was motivated by revolutionary zeal, Judge Kelly said. That conspiracy ended up with about 200 men amped up for battle encircling the capital. One of them, as you uh, heard, we talked about on the air, was Dominic Pozzola, who stole a shield uh, from the police and used it to break down the windows in the Capitol building, which people poured in through. Tario's defense team pushed back on the notion that Tario was a terrorist and urged uh, for a sentence of no more than 15 years. He got 22 years. My client is no terrorist. My client is a misguided patriot, said uh, Sabino uh, Jarugal, who is an attorney for Tario. Well, nice try. Uh, the uh, court didn't see it that way. Tario, wearing an orange prison jumpsuit, offered apologies to law enforcement, residents of the District of Columbia, and members and staff of Congress for the role he played in instigating the events of January 6th. Uh, more on this and the latest developments in the ongoing campaign, particularly regarding some of President Trump's legal challenges, coming up on the MedVet Show. Well, just when you thought it couldn't get any better, MyPillow is launching the MyPillow 2.0. Back when MyPillow was invented, it had everything you could want in a pillow. Now, nearly two decades later, they've discovered a new technology that makes MyPillow even better. The MyPillow 2.0 has the patent some people on the right who in the last 24 hours have suggested he was a victim of racism in his treatment by uh, the court uh, receiving 22 years uh, he received 22 years for participating in an attack on the capitol building and again when you just think back what that means uh, part of what they're trying to do with the legal system right now is to make sure that this kind of attack doesn't happen again. Uh, there's this very quickly, and then we'll get to your calls, 1-800-955-1776. Um, Enrique Tario said before his sentencing, January 6th is something that should never be celebrated. Amen. This is not something I was okay with. This is not something I wanted to happen. To the men and women of law enforcement who answered the call that day, I'm sorry. To the citizens of D.C. that saw their city turned upside down, I'm sorry. The lawmakers, their staff, and those present that day, and those that had to endure the events that day, I'm sorry, Tario said. Uh, Congress had met on January 6th to certify the election of Joe Biden as president. At trial, prosecutors presented evidence that Tario, who wasn't in Washington on the day of the Capitol breach, led the planning for January 6th and continued to direct and encourage the Proud Boys before, during, and after the attack, particularly during the attack, where they've actually found uh, text messages that he had sent to his associates saying, do it again, hit them again, keep going. Uh, 
And that's part of what he's looking at 22 years in prison for. Uh, let's go to Pam in Richland, Washington. Pam, you're on the Michael Medved Show. Hi, Michael. Um, thanks Hi. for taking my call. I just wanted to tell you that um, I think it's Trump that's at fault here. He's the one that came out with the big lie. And these poor guys, I now I'm not saying they're innocent because I know that lives were destroyed. Some um, some of these police officers were were murdered, and so I'm not um, saying well, they shouldn't ha get any penalty. But it all started because Trump lied, and I saw that right from the beginning because I have in-laws that all believe that Trump was telling the truth, and to this day they still say he won the election. And um, I just I anybody who deals with Trump regrets it. If you read biographies, you'll find that um, the people he employs, the people he works with, the people he, he, he tells, we'll do this and this and this, they wish they had never met the guy. And I, I just wonder what, what's going to happen to Trump? Why isn't he going to be punished? And he'll probably be our president next time. Do you think he'll leave? Do I think he'll leave? Uh, I... Uh, look, I think that uh, this is a wide open race. I think right now, if you had to say who is the most likely winner of the presidential race, it probably is Donald Trump. But again, uh, he's going to have a lot of time taken up by some of uh, what's going on in the courtrooms. And the fact that, that people like Enrique Tarrio uh, gets 22 years for these riots, it's going to be very, very hard uh, particularly with the uh, Jack Smith prosecution that's going on in Washington. The, uh, the Trump prosecution is going to be difficult. What is also very difficult, Pam, because you're talking about, I guess it's your in-laws who are loyal Trumpers, uh, that, that actually a majority of people who say they support Trump say they would still support him even if he's convicted of felonies. Even, even if he's required to go to, to prison. Uh, appreciate uh, your call. Uh, this is uh, uh, the CBS News report uh, from uh, this morning about the sentencing yesterday of Enrique Torrio. Listen. Convicted of seditious conspiracy, hatching and executing the plot to block the peaceful transfer of power, Proud Boys leader Enrique Tarrio received his sentence Tuesday. Tarrio wasn't actually in Washington on January 6th, but prosecutors argued he galvanized the Proud Boys and committed a calculated act of terrorism, calling him not a leader, but the leader of the conspiracy. Judge Tim Kelly agreed, citing a message Tario sent to followers celebrating the January 6th attack, reading, make no mistake, we did this. Then he sentenced Tario to 22 years in prison, the longest sentence in any January 6th case. Mr. Tario was the leader of this uh, riot on January 6th that attacked the Capitol, regardless of whether he was present or not. And because of that, he got the longest sentence more than his lieutenants received. The prison term was short of the 33 years prosecutors sought following a pattern the judge set with other Proud Boys members recently sentenced for seditious conspiracy. 
Tario's mother and sister both wept as they asked the judge to show leniency before Tario in his orange jail jumpsuit said he was sorry for his actions, called his case a bitter pill to swallow and said the injured police officers deserve better and acknowledged he knew Donald Trump lost the 2020 election. Tario's lawyer spoke after leaving court. There'll be a day and a time where an appeal will come and we expect that the appeal to come soon. Okay, uh, we will see about that appeal. He said, uh, in when pleading with, for merciful treatment by Judge Kelly, and again, Judge Kelly appointed by Donald Trump, uh, Enrique Tarrio said, uh, uh, please, Your Honor, don't take away my 40s. And he's about to turn 40. He's 39 years old. And <laughs> if you look at his sentence, it was 22 years. Uh, he may have lost not just his 40s, but his 50s. And the interesting thing here is that if he says he knew that Trump had not been elected president, I mean, it's it's bad enough if you actually believe that somehow this election was stolen and that the 7 million votes, it's more than 7 million votes that... Uh, uh, were uh, the, given in the popular vote to Joe Biden above Trump. Uh, I mean, it's extraordinary. And the real question here is, is this uh, the question of 2020 and the stolen election? Is that going to be a big issue in the election of 2024? Uh, there's another uh, attempt by President Trump to delay a trial it was uh, got a response from the judge of nine words that are pretty strong. What are those nine words? What do you have to say? We'll get to that coming up on the Medved Show. You're listening to the mighty Michael Medved Show. 1-800-955-1776. The Michael Medved Show. Michael Medved show there's so much discussion about the Constitution and so much of it is misleading uh, that's why I, I did this lecture a couple of years ago on the myths and the truths about the US Constitution and one of the big myths is that they deliberately wrote the Constitution to be a living, evolving document that would be changed based on the interpretation of judges. No, not true. Uh, also, why do media, mass media, tilt so decisively to the left? What sense does that make when they're actually big businesses? Uh, a bunch of talks on subjects like this, uh, a, a question about why is it that... Uh, uh, entertainment industry would tilt to the left and ignore the very real conservative audience out there. These are all subjects uh, that are available now in enlightening and entertaining talks uh, that I've given in the past and have been recorded live. 
And uh, that's over at uh, michaelmedved.com. You can just look for the special sale. It's a Labor Day sale that will go on for a couple of more days because of the week. And uh, that sale is 50% off on everything. And more than 50% off if you get a whole collection of these talks. It's a, a total of about 15 of them. Uh, so check it out. See what is available. Go to michaelmedved.com or medvedhistorystore.com to uh, uh, have a selection of the best uh, uh, talks uh, that uh, we've compiled over the years. It's over 15 hours of audio. Okay. Meanwhile, there's this a uh, uh, from the Daily Beast headline: Judge shoots down Trump's attempt at trial delay in 19 words. A uh, New York judge, who was unmoved by the incessant pleas from Donald Trump's legal team to delay trial, made quick work of the former president's last-minute request last night. Uh, to push back his first big upcoming trial for bank and tax fraud. On Wednesday morning, uh, Justice Arthur F. Engoron uh, pulled out a pen and scribbled a nine-word remark at the bottom of the draft order that Trump's lawyers wanted him to sign, rejecting it outright. Here's what he wrote. Decline to sign. Defendant's arguments are completely without merit, uh, Judge Angeron wrote, signing it with his uh, trademark uh, ligature, A.E. The Trump family is now less than four weeks away from the start of a monumental civil trial in which the Attorney General of New York, uh, Letitia James, State Attorney General, uh, seeks to uh, collect at least 250 million dollars from the Trump organization over accusations that this business including Trump and his children uh, routinely and knowingly inflated their asset values and lied on official paperwork that was so they could get better loans and more loans that they otherwise wouldn't get if people knew actually what the state of the business was uh, this is actually not one of those uh, federal cases. It's a state case, obviously, filed by the Attorney General in New York. And it's not just the $250 million, which even for a very wealthy guy like President Trump uh, can make a difference. It's, it's more than that because it would also ban the Trump family and members of the Trump family who are involved here from actually ever doing business in New York again. Now they may say, well, to heck with New York, we're going to Florida. Uh, it's, a, it's a kind of case and coming up in just a month uh, where, uh, yes, I do think there will be an enthusiastic desire to, to battle that particular case. President Trump himself uh, did a radio interview with our friend and colleague uh, Hugh Hewitt, and uh, Hugh Hewitt asked a very, it seems to me, timely and important question. Uh, this is uh, President Trump uh, yesterday with uh, with Hugh. Listen, clip six. 
But how are you going to make these points, Mr. President, if you're in trial? I think the first trial is scheduled for March. The Atlanta trial is going to be televised. It's going to be a mess. How are you going to be able to campaign and make these points if you're sitting behind a defendant's table in a courtroom? Well, we'll be asking for many dismissals of many of these fake cases. These are fake cases. These are cases that were brought by, uh, look, these cases were brought by Biden. These are campaign cases. Nobody's done it except in Banana Republic. These aren't cases. These are cases that were brought by by political opponents. Nobody's ever seen anything like it. The public gets it. That's why I'm beating him by so much, and it's why I'm beating every Republican by so much, among other things, to be honest, because... We had a great, we had a great run as president. We had the greatest economy ever. Okay, and uh, then he continues along those lines. Uh, and, and by the way, it, Hugh was talking about the trials beginning in March, and I think that it uh, begins in March. There, they're doing the documents trial, but this first one is is October, and this again is the state of New York. And uh, is it required that Trump be there for every moment of the trial? Well, no, but he almost surely is going to be asked to testify. And uh, given the fact that the uh, the uh, appeal that the Trump lawyers had uh, to a uh, dismiss the case that uh, Judge Angeron uh, signed, declined to sign, defendant's arguments are completely without merit. Uh, good luck with that trial. Uh, there's also another question that uh, uh, Hugh Hewitt asked the former president concerning uh, the documents and the boxes of documents that were allegedly moved at Mar-a-Lago, uh, clip five. Did you direct anyone to move the boxes? Anyone to move, Mr. President? Did you tell anyone to move the boxes? I don't talk about anything. You know why? Because I'm allowed to do whatever I want. I come under the Presidential Records Act. I'm not telling you. You know, every time I talk to you, oh, I have a breaking story. You don't have any story. I come under the Presidential Records Act. I'm allowed to do everything I did. But if you have to go to trial, will you testify in your own defense? Oh yes, absolutely. You'll take the stand. That I would. That I look forward to because that's just like Russia, Russia, Russia. That's all the fake information from Russia, Russia, Russia. Okay. Uh, The uh, and and meanwhile, uh, NBC reporting on its latest polling numbers. The uh, Trump lead in the GOP primary is overwhelming overwhelming and so if Trump is the Republican candidate for president um, what does that mean for the general election and one of the uh, uh, interesting commentaries that uh, recently appeared uh, involves how it is that Trump's opponents in the Republican Party have been trying to persuade Republican voters that uh, Trump uh, will probably lose against Joe Biden. First of all, the polls don't show that. It shows that they're at worst tied, and then there's some polls that show that Trump is winning against Biden. But uh, why is it that uh, Trump supporters uh, basically dismiss that argument of electability so readily? We will get to that and to more. 
coming up on the Medved Show. This should not happen in America. The Michael Medved Show. No one should be silenced if they are speaking from their heart. 1-800-955-1776. The Michael Medved Show. And on the Michael Medved Show, uh, they ask an interesting question at the Huffington Post. Uh, the uh, article by uh, Kevin Robillard uh, asks why it's hard to convince Republicans that Trump is unelectable. Maybe it could be because he's not. Uh, there was this uh, report on NBC, which is not a pro-Trump network. Nobody could claim that they are. But they certainly are talking about some very positive polling for the former president. Uh, this is clip 12 with uh, NBC's Steve Kornacki. Listen. Yeah, I think what's really significant is, I mean, I've significantly, you can see for yourself, this is an overwhelming lead here for Donald Trump in this national poll. But it's tough to see on the screen, but the fine print here of when the poll was conducted, August 24th to August 30th, meaning this poll was entirely conducted after that first Republican presidential debate. In fact, all of these respondents either saw it or they absorbed the fallout from it, presumably in the media coverage. So there was all sorts of talk of, hey, did Ramaswamy surge after this? Did Haley surge after this? And you know, Haley's number is up a, a tick here. Yeah, but this continues to be Donald Trump skipping the debate. Despite that, he continues to have an overwhelming advantage on the Republican side. Okay. Uh, the uh, way that they argue this, they uh, say in this piece in Huffington Post, if you're a Republican primary voter in Iowa, New Hampshire, Nevada, or South Carolina, one message has been waiting for you this summer. Every time you open your mailbox, turn on your television, or fire up your web browser. Uh, for 2024, Donald Trump is not the most electable candidate, said a man in an Iowa ad by Win It Back, which is a super PAC affiliated with the Conservative Club for Growth, which is conservative and strongly anti-Trump. Uh, the next Republican candidate has to be somebody who can convince swing voters um, independence to vote for them, a woman uh, said in another ad airing in Iowa from the Republican Accountability Project, because Donald Trump can't convince them. Uh, the message is coming from every angle. There's another uh, Americans for Prosperity action ad. Americans for Prosperity is the organization that had been put together by the Koch brothers. You may remember them. And uh, they write in their ad, if Trump is the GOP nominee, we could lose everything. Uh, the message is coming from every angle. The conservative hardliners, the Club for Growth, have been, ended their on-again, off-again relationship with the former president and are supporting Win It Back, which has positioned itself firmly against Trump's latest run for the White House. A billionaire Charles Koch's libertarian-oriented network which never quite reconciled itself to Trump, is uh, behind Americans for Prosperity, 
Reed Hoffman, the LinkedIn co-founder and major center-left donor, provides much of the financial backing for the Never Trump Republican Accountability Project. So far, it's all fallen on stony ground. Polling in the early states and nationally shows not only that Republicans continue to back Trump for the GOP nomination by wide margins, but most still view him as the best candidate to defeat President Joe Biden next year. Uh, we have to face the fact, uh, Nikki Haley said on uh, the debate stage, we have to face the fact that Trump is the most disliked politician in America. We can't win a general election that way. Uh, that's what Haley said at the Milwaukee event, uh, referring to the GOP in a potential Biden-Trump rematch. And she's right. There are more negatives associated with Trump, more negative feeling and people saying they will never vote for him and, and never support him for Trump than there are for any other candidate out there. How, however, uh, the fact is that he is still competitive with Joe Biden in the polls. There's a piece by... Uh, uh, by Brett Stevens in the New York Times about why is Biden so much disliked by the American people. And that's the other factor that uh, leads a lot of Republicans to say, look, this whole question of electability is one of those things that is a, uh, uh, an irrelevant issue because anyone can beat Biden given some of the weaknesses that Americans perceive in him. And some of those weaknesses are psychological, physiological, cognitive. Uh, Brett Stevens writes in his piece, he says that unemployment is at near historic lows and inflation has come way down. We're inflicting a strategic humiliation on Russia by arming Ukraine without putting American forces at risk. The homicide rate fell by about 10% across 30 cities compared with last year. Democrats defied electoral trends by holding the Senate, uh, scoring major legislative victories and easily confirming a Supreme Court nominee. In short, with everything so great, why are people so down? That's a question that, as uh, the Times' Reed Epstein wrote last week, stumps the White House and its political allies who seem to think the problem is a failure to communicate the good news. But there's another explanation. The news isn't all that good. Americans are unsettled by things that are not always visible in headlines or statistics, but are easy enough to see. What kind of things? He says it's easy to see as the average price of a dozen eggs, up 38% between January 2022 and May of this year. And white bread, up 25%. And a whole chicken, up 18%. Uh, as for the retail price of gasoline, it's up 63% since January 2021, the month Biden became president. Yet none of these increases make it into what economists call the core rate of inflation, which excludes food and energy. The inflation ordinary people experience in everyday life is not the one the government prefers to highlight. 
Easy to see also is that the border crisis has become a national one. In May, the administration boasted that new policies had contributed to a sharp decline in the number of encounters between border patrols and migrants entering the southwestern border illegally. By August, arrests of migrants who crossed the border with family members had hit a monthly record of 91,000. In New York City alone, more than 57,000 migrants seek food and shelter from the city's social services on an average night. Nobody can say how many migrants who crossed the border during Biden's presidency remain in the U.S., but it's almost certainly in the millions. In other words, what uh, Brett Stevens is talking about is that some of the optimism that uh, people on the left seem to have about the Biden administration has to do with looking at statistics that are very different uh, from what people are seeing directly. Uh, certainly the idea that crime has gone down a little bit this year, it's gone down by 10%, which is not a little bit, it's significant, it's good. But the fact is, it had been going up so sharply and had, has gone up so sharply in terms of uh, particularly senseless and awful crimes. There's in the Wallingford neighborhood of Seattle, there's a, quite a bit of fascination about apparently a deliberately set fire in Wallingford where people, a family, were, were locked in and uh, died in the flames. And a horrible thing. Uh, with all of this going on, there, there is a great uh, deal to question about the direction of the country. And uh, that's why you actually have both candidates, at least according to a new analysis, uh, both candidates who are offering radical changes in their party's perspective. Yes, that's true. Uh, there's also, uh, uh, by the way, uh, this from the L.A. Times, a new statewide poll in California. Uh, Biden is up. 66% versus other Democrats. That means Marianne Williamson and Robert F. Kennedy Jr. And Trump is up 39% versus other GOP candidates. Who's up with Biden versus Trump? Well, we'll, we'll get to that. And to much more coming up in this greatest nation on God's green earth. 